We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. Here we go, here we go. A special edition Live stream to kick off season two of the post game show. CP from Knicks Fan TV. My man Jay Ellis from the Nick of Time Show. This is the number one show for the fans by the fans where we talk about Knicks news, Knicks rumors, and post game live analysis featuring live callers. So if you're a diehard Knicks fan, make sure you hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so you don't miss anything. Special guest today. Yeah, needs no introduction. Well, we're gonna introduce him anyway. <laughs> He's the co-host of the MSG 150 alongside Wally Serbiak and Bill Pito, covering the pregame show, the halftime show, the postgame show, and everything in between. All things Knicks. Yep. He's also the host of the Alan Hahn Show on ESPN Radio. I'm Alan Hahn, Hahn Solo, the Knicks fix is in the building. Welcome to the show, man. Yeah, we're like, what are we, two, three weeks away from training camp? And both football teams in New York are pretty much done at this point. Done. So, like, I'm ready. I'm ready to talk some hoop. Done. Let's go. I, I was looking for a little bit of a reprieve. Uh, my Giants, uh, I went to opening day. I always go to open day. It's a tradition. Little mm. did I know that was going to be Eli Manning's problem. <laughs> final, final yep. start. End of an era. End of an era, amazing. man. Yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah, another I'm another guy gets kicked out the door. Another New York legend gets kicked out yeah. the door. But it's tough. It's a, yeah, how, you know, how, how do you handle the exit of of your 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 hero that's been here for so long? Well, it's when he when he stays too long, and, and I'll tell you what, it's kind of similar to Ewing in a yep. way. Obviously, yep. Eli at least won championships, but you know, it's the same thing. It, it, when it gets to the end, and the team and everybody watching, if anybody remembers back in the late nineties. It was those teams played faster without Patrick on the yep. floor. Yep. He hated he hated hearing that. Yeah. He hated hearing that. And when he came back that year after the Achilles in 99 2000, they get to the conference finals, but they just felt like he was slowing them down and he had finally had had it. He didn't want to hear it anymore. Yep. But I mean, 
how's the franchise been since? It's, you know, and, and so with you're the Giants, you know, you might if you're a Giants fan, you might be excited about a new era and a new quarterback. But just remember, for 15 years, you had a constant. And now there's a it, variable. Man. There's a variable now. So you better hope that you got the right guy. That, that's all facts, man. All facts. So so kicking it over to basketball. As you said, it's been 20 years of straight misery since we traded the captain. And, uh-huh. and we're, we're finally trying to get to, to a proper rebuild the off-season hype and all the hoopla obviously didn't live up to it from a plan A standpoint. But I still think, you know, we, we, we moved the needle a bit in terms of trying to move this franchise forward. So before we get into kind of the storylines of this season, now that all the ink is dry and all the contracts, most of the roster is set, how do you feel about how we came out of the off-season? Well, I think it's, it's fair to say it was a disappointment. Uh, on many levels, didn't win the lottery. Right. At least got third, but didn't win it. Okay, you had the worst record in the league, and you didn't win the lottery. So that, again, that's a disappointment. Still came away with a player, though, that I think a lot of people are excited about. Mm-hmm. But you have to be real about what you felt going into the offseason versus how you are right now. And that is, didn't win the lottery, so didn't get the play, the best player, or at least the player everybody thought was the best player in the draft right now. Mm-hmm. And And again, hype, right? The excitement of doing that. Then you followed up with a free agency that not only didn't lead to getting, it didn't get Kevin Durant, it didn't get any star players that you thought might help you take that step and get back into contention. Because if you look at the East, the East is a pillow fight. I mean, there's, what are there, three teams? <laughs> it's it's you know, empty. I mean, it's, there might be three good teams, maybe. And, and, yeah. and I mean, you could argue that we're, they're only good because it's like, again, it's like, it's like having an eight because there's a whole bunch of sixes around. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Now the eight all of a sudden looks like a 10. So, yeah. I, I mean, to be totally honest, now you go into free agency and you realize what else can you do to make sure that you don't make the mistakes of the past. So now what you're trying to do instead of hit a home run is, you know, is don't, you don't ground into a double play. All yeah. right. So. Because we've seen that in the past, the, the the fact that you give contracts, maybe too long of a contract, too mm-hmm. big a contract to people who don't really deserve it, but you're trying to save face. Mm-hmm. There's where, to me, the high marks come in for what the Knicks did, is they did not do that. Right. They didn't try to just have a press conference for pre- press conference's sake. I, I was there when Amari said, you know, the Knicks, the Knicks are, back. are back. I was there the day <laughs> of his press conference as well, as well. And at the time, it was still important for what Amari stood for, especially the first half of that season. Yeah. But that moment still felt like, what are we doing here? Yeah. This was supposed to be LeBron. Like, what are we doing here? Oof. So that, at least this time around, I like the fact that they did not go that route. Instead, you went out and found hungry players who still have something to prove, chip on their shoulder, short-term deals so you're not locked in for a long time. Right. You still got flexibility, but there's still a ton of questions, and you really don't know what this team's going to be. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think the fair thing to say, in a lot of words, is – is that the offseason was a disappointment, but it wasn't a failure. Right. We'll see this season what this offseason really meant to the franchise's future, but it was, you have to say, it was disappointing considering yeah. what you were hoping for. Absolutely. Uh, certainly disappointing. I mean, we, we covered it night in, night out, all the rumors, all the news from the lottery on down. And yes, you know, plan A didn't, didn't go as planned, but as you said, I think 
they executed plan B fairly well. I, I thought, yeah. as you said, the contracts Agreed. are flexible. You brought mm-hmm. in some high IQ veteran players in, in Taj and Morris. Um, you, you brought in a guy that still has some upside in him in Julius Randle, you know, still 24 years old, improving year after year. So I, I, I think, as, as you had said, I think plan B was okay, despite failing mo- in plan A. And the most important part of plan B is that plan B wasn't a scramble. Right. Plan B was in place. So, you know, here's the other thing you don't want to, we'll go back to the Giants. Remember mm-hmm. the, the, the draft the Giants had when, when they took Eli Apple? Yeah. They had two players that they really wanted, and teams jumped them to get those two players. Right. Okay, one was Leonard Floyd, the other one was Conklin, the, uh, the tackle. Mm-hmm. Jack Conklin, yep. They were not ready, right? They were not prepared for teams to jump <clears throat> over them. They didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So then they take Eli Apple and go, oh, yeah, we, we wanted him all along. No, you right. Didn't. You didn't. You just didn't have a plan B and you weren't ready to execute it. Yeah. So again, you want to give credit where credit's due. That's where mm-hmm. to me, Mills and Perry had plan B and at, at six o'clock on Sunday when free agency opened, mm-hmm. when they knew we weren't in on Kevin Durant, they already had their plan and they were nailing their guys one after the other, after the other yeah. and took care of business before it turned into a bidding war with other teams. Nope. We want you, we got you. And so they at least were able to execute a plan B without being caught up now in the battles with some other teams yeah. that were getting desperate. So again, you want to find the positives. Those are the positives that they were able to execute a plan right. that wasn't their main plan. Now, what do you say to the fan that says, and, and I talked to you about it while this was going on. What do you say to the fan that says, well, instead of adding, you know, maybe a, a, a Portis and a, and a Peyton was maybe a bit overkill. Instead of doing that, why not go after the assets and the salary dump? Well, what do you say to, to that to that fan? What, what are we going to do? We're just going to keep collecting. How are the Celtics doing with all the draft picks, by the way? How many great players have the Celtics yeah. got with all those draft picks? Danny Ainge is a genius, but he, all he did was trade for air. <laughs> draft, picks, yeah. draft picks are draft picks. Like, what do they become? You don't know. Right. And all it does is it, all it does to me is just pushes time, push time forward. Now, I'm not saying you don't you don't trade for draft picks. What I'm saying is, is I'm not taking on a big salary player who won't want to be here, knows he's not part of the plan, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I want people that are engaged because mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys. I'm kind of tired of each year. It's new faces, and I'm hearing the same rhetoric. Last year, we heard the same rhetoric, too. Yeah. I love being in New York. Always yeah. want to play on this stage. <laughs> all about New York. And then you're 20 games in, yeah. and what happens? Same that guy's old. all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, he's enjoying New York the wrong way. Right. And he's not about winning. And now it's like Derrick Rose wanted a contract extension. And his cantor wanted a contract extension. Yeah. They want to come here because they want, to, they want to get paid. No. I want guys who are coming here because they've got something to prove. They're hungry. And I'm going to get something out of them. And eventually, I've got guys that can put some roots down. Right. Like, this can't be a halfway yeah. house with bad contracts for the next 10 years. You can't keep doing that. So, in my opinion, that's not the way I'd want to go this time around. Mm-hmm. Let me get a culture here of young players who are hungry. And, oh, by the way, everybody's praising the Nets right now. That's what they did. Now, you want to say they did take a one or two contracts. That's fine. But the Knicks are already – by the way, still paying Joe Kim now. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So, no. I mean, you know. You know, you know what's – like you've already got one. Do we need more on the uh, on the payroll? We do not. So oh. that's why I feel like that wasn't really the plan. That wasn't the way to go. And if you keep stockpiling these draft picks, a you got to pay the draft pick. Yeah. B you got to make the draft picks. And C, what what does it become in time? Right. Get me a culture here. Get me an identity. Let's go. Let's start from there. You know. You know what, too, Alan. Like I I agree with you. I love what Scott Perry and Mills did. They stockpile 
you know, they stopped piling next to a bunch of guys who want to play. They really focused on the deficit. We were bad at three-point shooting. We got a bunch of three-point shooters. But um, on the flip side, though, I feel like there's a little bit of a backfire to the plan that could happen, considering that we have a bunch of players here who really deserve minutes, especially, you know, from the two-guard from the two guard perspective where we have uh, – Two-guard. There's nobody at the two. The two-guard's the worst position on the team. Two-guard's like cornerback for the Jets. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, we have like five two guard. We have like uh, we have Lonzo Trier, we have Damian two, Dotson. Trier's have- already in the place he belongs. Trier to me is where he belongs. He's going to be a great six man for for the rest of his career. He's going to mm-hmm. be Jamal Crawford. He is exactly where he belongs. The two guard position to me is still up for grabs. And this is not to disparage Damian Dotson. He's mm-hmm. worked his butt off, you mm-hmm. know. But but I mean, a starting quality two in this league has to take on players like you know. <laughs> Bradley Beal, James Harden. All right, come on. You got you got to have somebody that's that's got some stuff about him, and they don't have a guy like that. So I'm going to need a, a three and D guy at that uh, that two spot. So to me, three's two's up for grabs. You're right. not wrong though about the fact that the the debate is going to be about who do you play at the three and the four. Do you play a veteran who's playing for a contract or a young player that I'm trying to develop for my future? And from what I'm hearing from the players is it's really going to be a meritocracy. You have to earn your burn. And I know that's been, they, that's been you said kill. for years around here. Yeah. Yes. And that's Fisdale always says that, keep what you kill. Mm-hmm. But that's been something every coach that has come through here in the last X amount of years has said, but never, never stuck to. But I kind of believe this year you have to stick to it. Because if you just keep giving minutes to young players who aren't ready for them, it's counterproductive to develop it, in my opinion. I – I hear you. Um, you know what, too? Uh, I'm gonna skip around to um see people real quick. Yeah, good. So, so R.J. Barrett, right? He's he's the third pick of the draft for us. Um, R.J. Barrett, Kevin Durant, you know, uh, uh, Michael Beasley, Trey. Those are the only guys who's able to score 160 points or more last year in the collegiate games. So, my question to you is: I know you said you would not start R.J. Barrett off the jump. Now, can you expand on that? Like, why would yeah. you start R.J. Barrett knowing that he's he's our, our top pick and, you know, we, we need to develop this guy? Because of what you just said. You need to develop him. And I feel like starting him uh, – now, let me also add the caveat. I have not watched a single workout yet. I only saw Summer League. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I saw him as the Summer League went deeper. He got better. He got more comfortable, more confident. But I feel like too much too soon. If you start him, I'd like to protect him. And he and Kevin Knox, to me, are still teenagers. They need to play. Oh, Knox, did he finally turn 20? I can't keep up. Yeah, I think he's 20. I think he's 20. Yeah, 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 yeah. he's 20. I'm, I'm joking. But <laughs> it, it's just, it, feels like, it feels like the whole damn team is still teenagers. Can they? Can anybody drink on this team? So, to me, you have a situation with players who are young, who can come off the bench and play against twos, and they can eat there. Yeah. Because you go up against backups and you could start to like physical confidence is everything. And if you start feeling good about yourself against teams, backups, you can still get 20 minutes a game off the bench. And if you're playing well, and you can also finish by the way, but yeah. starting to me comes with a little bit of a burden that I've always said that the Nick Jersey already is the heaviest Jersey in the league. Oh yeah. Why, why put any more, any more weight on top of this kid? I don't, I don't think it's necessary. Now, once again, if he goes into training camp, plays some preseason games and he's by far, better than anything else the Knicks could put at the two, but then, yeah, of course he should, he should be the starter. Yeah. But I think he's got to earn that. 
and we've got to see it. But I wouldn't force it. I don't think it should be something that I'm saying is going to happen. I'd like to see him earn it, see him prove it to me that he's a great fit next to Dennis Smith Jr., that he can defend, that he can knock down the open three. Because with Dennis Smith and Julius Randle, he's not going to need to be an ISO break-you-down, drive-to-the-basket kind of player. He's going to need to be a role player. And I don't know, can he do that, or is he going to have to learn that? Or is he better off off the bench instead of coming in as a role player, being a guy that can score? And I'd rather put him maybe at the two or at the three – with um with, with with Alonzo Trier, remember that's where it gets dicey. Is is the yeah. minutes off the bench? Right, that's where it gets dicey. Yeah, I mean, you know, my my take on on the RJ thing, and and it kind of fits into your your narrative in terms of forcing the fandom, forcing the stardom. You know, my take is that listen, this is a, the number three pick. We 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 didn't execute on Plan A of the all season. I would put him out there to, to kind of get things going, to feel good story, and just see how, how he does. You know, trial trial by fire to sort of so feel good story. Feel good story is if he plays well wherever well, he that's, is. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I you mean, know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can't – I just can't – you know what it is? I think this franchise and a lot of teams in New York get too caught up in what you just said, the story, the narrative, proving he was the right pick. Yeah. That'll all yeah. that'll all take care of itself, man. Like that'll take care of itself. Just to me, it's whatever he is right now, just let him be that. You know, in time he'll become whatever he's supposed to become while he's working on his game. But it can't just happen right away. It might take some time. Look around the league. There's a lot of guys like that in some of these other places that weren't necessarily out of the gate. They were awesome, but they put in which Jamal Murray, I think, is a great uh, example. Yeah. Guys who put in work mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden just grab, oh, like it was just, you know, you're in January and somebody goes, man, RJ Barrett's balling right now for the Knicks. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he had a mm-hmm. like that's what you'd rather have than he starts, but he struggles. And now I got to take him out of the starting lineup. So now Mark Berman has a field day with that. You don't want to get him. <laughs> <laughs> like, trust me, I was in those circles. You it's get true. to a point where you're like, I need a story today. The cesspool Sorry, starts turning, man. Man. I mean, I was there. That's what we would do. You need a story. I need something to write about. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, R.J. Barrett's struggling. Okay, let's start writing that. <laughs> you don't want it. You don't want to have that. So you don't need to force it. Let him earn it. I think he's made of. He comes from good stock. He's going to get there eventually. I'm pretty confident in this kid. Yeah. You know that he'll get there. I just yeah. don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, force the issue with him. I want him to grow into this role because this kid is extremely important to the future Very of this important. franchise. Yeah. And I, I agree with you, man. Him and Kevin Knox, I agree with you. Let them earn it, man. And I was encouraged by what I saw in the summer league because I have the same concerns as you have where he's not a good three-point shooter, so you're not sure how he's going to fit next to guys right. who can't shoot. But I felt like he found his way, even with the bad shooting, to kind of contribute. Agree. To- oh, I, I agree, but I'm going to throw this at you. Now, here we go. Now, here comes here comes this one. Now, we'll get hot. Mm. You guys want to start a fight. This is where we're going to start the fight right mm-hmm. now because you're going to see the mentions and everything's going to blow up right now. Get this I'm getting ready. Let's go. And now, and now I, I can't wait too because I'll be accused of one thing and another thing, and it's hysterical. So here we go. Ready? All right. What about Neil Aquina at the two next to Dennis Smith? <laughs> well, look, listen. It, now it's, it's, here's why. Here's okay, why. go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let, I'll let you follow up, but let good. me explain why. Mm-hmm. And now again, now the Neil Aquina haters are going to tell me that I'm a homer. Yes. When everybody that knows me for You're the last homer. two years, everybody that knows me for the last two years. All I've done is talk about how this guy can't shoot. All he does, you know, like he's mm-hmm. not consistent. So mm-hmm. I've been critical of him 
But I actually think what I saw overseas, you know, FIBA Frank. Mm-hmm. FIBA Frank is a thing. If, if he can, <laughs> well, because look, first of all, he if he can play like six six w- wingspan, can defend, doesn't need the ball in his hands, and ha- actually showed us a little bit that he can catch and shoot threes when he played over with France. With Dennis Smith, I mean, to me, he's dominating the basketball. He's my score. I need somebody that's going to be on the perimeter to catch and shoot, make a three, and play some defense. The key there is that Frank doesn't have to play 40 minutes a night. But next to Dennis Smith, now that's how you have to think about lineups. Who fits best next to a guy that I know? I Remember who I traded Dennis Smith for? Right. Like, right. like who I traded for to get Dennis Smith. I need him to be an he, all-star. He needs to work, absolutely. And he's had a hell of a summer, and I can't wait to see if, if all that I saw in the summer comes together for him on the court because it's not just physically, not what his game, but mentally he's matured a ton, and I'm excited about Dennis Smith. So, but next to Dennis Smith, I don't need another guy that needs the basketball, that has to dominate the basketball. I need a guy that can protect him defensively yeah. and knock down and a kick out three. Frank right now could be that guy. I, you, you don't and think we'll and we're, he might not. And if he's not, <laughs> hey, yo, yo. But if he's not, then at least I know I don't have to pick up his option now. I don't yeah. have to. I need to see it so I we know whether or not I'm keeping Frank or I'm moving on from Frank. Hey, hey, That's the best way to find out. Here's my thing with Frank, and I, I agree with you 100%. We have to start. Uh, with defense, especially on the perimeter. We've been getting killed for the last two decades. God knows how long. We haven't had a solid perimeter defense. We've been in the bottom third of the league in all defensive statistics, and that's supposed Down to be Fizdale's calling card. So yep. I, I, Derek, Derek Harper is rolling over in his grave. <laughs> absolutely, man. So, listen, Frank definitely showed some encouraging things um, in, in the World Cup. You actually saw some confidence in him. You saw that dog in him, especially in the fourth quarter bit, against the yeah. USA. E- right, even against right. Argentina in the blowout, you kind of saw that sense of urgency uh, from Frank and trying to get his team yeah. back into things, and that yep. I, I was really encouraged by. So, to me, listen, it's all on the offensive end. He has to prove that it's not five on four going the other way. You, you know what I mean? Um, his shooting statistics were atrocious last year. I mean, that's that's just being honest. And yeah. and I think that's why it's, I think that's it's why the biggest issue. I think that's been the biggest issue. And Fisdale, totally. through lesser words, has said he he's not sure how to really utilize this kid just yet. And to me, that's what I want to see in the preseason. Yeah. They have a decision to make. They've got to figure out if they want to extend him, if they want to keep him on the team, if they want to keep him around as part of the future, or is it time to move on and just understand that hey, that was a previous regime's draft pick, right. and that's not our guy and. You know, it's it's time to move on. That's something that they're going to have to figure out. And I don't think you figure it out by bringing him off the bench and letting him figure out where he fits. This is a role that I've always said will probably be his role in the NBA. He's not a lead guard. He's not a break you down scorer, but he can become a three and D kind of player that occasionally can handle the basketball, occasionally uh, operate your offense. But because his motor is so inconsistent. Yeah. I can't rely on him, but it doesn't mean he can't be useful. Here's my way to find out if he fits what I want to do. I'm not about giving up on draft picks. I've never been. Mm-hmm. I just need to know, does he fit what I'm trying to do or not before I have to make a financial decision? This is the only way why. So, again, am I mm-hmm. a hater or am I, you know, one of these Frank <laughs> sick fans? That's, that's for everybody out there to judge. All I'm saying is I'm, a, I'm looking at it from a Knicks perspective. Right. And yeah. That's the thought process I'd be bringing into the preseason if I was running this team. But but so get, well one second Jay but but here's my thing with the Frank thing right and and you're saying they have a critical decision to make by October 31st 
Why continue to bring in point guard after point guard? The Moutier thing was a complete waste of time, in my opinion, right? Or even shooting guards. <laughs> or, well, I, you know, and, and then look at Peyton, right? Okay, Peyton, they, they claim that uh, that Perry was after Peyton even before they got Moutier last year. Uh, yeah, he Peyton's going to be an interesting player he, off the bench, I think. Right. I think he's interesting off the bench because he can push – he, he, he plays up-tempo, and he's got a toughness about him, and he can organize an offense. Yeah. So he, another guy can't shoot, though. It's another but, guy that but, can't shoot. But I like the other the other things that he can bring could be helpful. I need to see it, though, of course. No no doubt about it. And and I totally and I'm on board with, with his prowess as a floor general. Totally. Especially last year. He, he finished with, uh, I believe he's averaging around nine dimes a game last year. Only four in the second half. Only four plays to, to do that. Then he had three straight triple doubles at Three one straight yeah, triple I mean, doubles five. as well. Five. He gets hurt. He gets hurt. He I gets think. hurt a lot. Was it five? Yeah. He, he gets hurt a lot. You know, like that's the other thing with him. He's got to stay healthy. The good news is he cut the hair. In New York, <laughs> yeah. Now he can now he can see. He can see a little yeah. bit. <laughs> he can see a little bit. But but my thing with Peyton, it, it's just the same thing with Moutier. It it further clutters the point guard carousel. To me, from the point guard perspective in free agency, it should have either been a cut above, whether it's Kyrie or you want to say Kemba, or even a cut below. Someone who's going to be a caretaker that would know their role as a veteran backup that could help. DSJ be a leader, help Frank be a leader, but not have to compete for minutes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Kyrie wasn't going to happen, and right. I'm not giving. I'm not giving. Uh, God bless Kemba. He's a New Yorker, and I love what he's done. I, I'm not giving him a max at this point in his career. Mm. You know, I'm not. I just I wasn't going to do it. Mm-hmm. It didn't make sense, and I know the story is he he didn't want to play in New York, and the reason why was what Walt Clyde Frazier has been trying to tell people for a long time. It's too hard to play yeah. here. And, and a lot of guys who know that they're not the man, capital T, capital M, they don't want it because they know they saw, look, look what happened to Mello. You could argue Mello, you know, brought a lot of stuff upon himself and, and I'll let you make that argument, but it doesn't mean that, as you just said earlier, you know, 20 years, right? Yeah. But, but yeah. Mello gave you th- the, the, the best three years out of the last 20 and you can't That's overlook that. And yet, and yet people are already ready to just, you know, couldn't wait to get rid of them. You know, and all that stuff, and and the criticism he took, even in the years where he was a terrific player, he still got you know criticism. Still not good enough. You're still not good enough. Players see that, and that's why it's, you know, you can bring up anything you want about all the reasons why uh, players don't come to the Knicks, but I'm telling you, when you ask pressure. a player, yeah. they don't want that. It's not. It's different pressure. Yeah, it's different pressure. Yep. It, it's it's look how they treated Melo. Look how they treated Patrick Ewing. That kind of stuff that I think players want, would rather avoid if they could. Which is why I think as the Knicks have to do it, they have to grow their own. Yep, they have to. It's the only yeah. way to do it. Can't chase stars anymore. You got to grow your own. So anybody that wants to ask about Giannis in 2020, I'm hanging up on you. <laughs> all right scratch that question off <laughs> all right let's let's go to let's go to fizz um you know to me fizz has the toughest job in the nba trying to manage all of the depth we won 17 games last year it was tough to take you know jls and i you, you covered every game jls and i we covered every Man. game from post game perspective it, it was tough yeah. getting through those dog days of the 82 uh without too much uh too much good news how do you how do you think fizz kind of balances the the conflict in terms of 
trying to improve on last year's total and and also focusing on developing the, the young core that, that we have here. Well, I mean, with 17 wins, it's, it's not that not hard. Not that hard. Better. <laughs> not that, that hard, man. <laughs> I mean, if you win 27, you're like, hey, we improved by 10. That's it. That's it, uh, All kidding aside, I know that it personally for him was difficult. Like, it, this was not easy for him. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a proud guy. This is a guy that was used to going to finals as an assistant coach, you mm-hmm. know, that uh, had success his first year as a head coach. And then look at Memphis since, by the way, since they fired him. Yep. Everybody that wants to talk about how Fisdale was a failure in his first time as a head coach, look at Memphis since when he was telling them it's time to change, that you ha- you can't play this way anymore and we've got to change, and Marcus Gasol pulled power play and basically got him fired. I mean, you you can sugarcoat it all you want. Marcus Gasol, everybody yeah. loves him. What a nice guy. He got him fired mm, because yep. he didn't like the fact that Fizz told him, you're a dinosaur, we got to change the way we play. Right. And he got upset, went to the owner and got him fired. But well, where's Memphis since then? Everybody's got fired now. And all their players are gone. True. Right? Like, think about that. So, and obviously Gasol's gone too. So, you can't look at Memphis as that experience where he failed. You look at it as Fisdale saw it coming, tried to warn them, and they told them that he was crazy. Quickly. And they got rid of him. Quickly. I know. It was insane. So, you know, that's that happened to him. And then he comes here, and, you know, he's a prideful guy. I want to prove that what happened in Memphis, right? And... Mm -hmm you know what happens this year this past season happened and he spent a lot of time focusing on trying to uh you know put a growth mindset into young players Mm -hmm. rather than the old school way of coaching which is you know you gotta you know ride them and you gotta be tough on them and you gotta force them and push them because he knew this was a loft issue lack of freaking talent there's just not enough here so most nights you're going to struggle. And how many games were they close towards the end and then just didn't have enough to right. finish the battle back a lot of times, you know, that's a typical young team. So I know going into this year that I don't, you know, I can, I can only imagine how fired up he is to, to get out of the gate quickly. And the schedule is going to make it tough, but they've got some tough players. And I wonder if this – I want to know what the identity is going to be, and I wonder yeah. what kind of identity Fisdale is going to instill. Because this is no longer now, hey, we're young, and right. we're just going to try to develop. This is – we need to lay down the foundation of an identity yep. of who the Knicks are. Yep. And I think that's what his focus is going to be this year. And I'm curious what that identity is going to be. I know what I would make it. I want to see what he would make it. JL, yeah. so where, where are you at on Fizz? Man, I like I, I want to echo what I want to say because I've been doing a lot of – Fizz defending over the last uh, year or so. Like, Fizz has done well for Memphis. He, impl- he like, he put down a defensive identity for Memphis. And I feel like the same thing will happen when, with the Knicks. Once we get all the right pieces around the Knicks to actually play defense. Last year, we had <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Cantor, who was a turnstile on defense. Oh. And we also had Moody, which, I mean, I don't agree with Fizz playing all those minutes considering he was gone. But I just feel like with the pieces we had this year, we got some three-point shooting that we desperately needed. We got a, a couple of defensive play pieces. I feel like with the new pieces we had this year, Fizz is going to be able to, to at least get to 30 wins, get to a respectable, you know, a respectable winning percentage for the Knicks. And you know what? Start to build a culture, like Alan said, man. I, I'm happy. I'm, I'm curious to see what Fizz is going to do this season. Yeah, and, and it's a matter of – getting a guy like Dennis Smith, who I know he was in his ear when after they traded for him, after they got him, he was in his ear. Yeah. You know, D- DS was not in great shape. 
you know, he was not, right. he, he had kind of let it go uh, once he realized Rick Carlisle had given up on him and, and he had let it go. And so his body wasn't really ready. You remember the game he played in Detroit? He had the yep. 360 dunk. Oh, yeah. Like he went for 30. He was just insane, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I, the next day he was shot. Nothing. Like he, nothing left nothing in the tank. Left. And the rest of the season, you saw him just, he could not get that energy back. Yeah. He did the dunk contest, you remember as well. Like, so I think he, he realized this off season that if I want to be an elite player, I got to be in elite shape. And so I do think that he spent, and from everything we've seen, you know, as far as, you know, everybody has videos out. Mm-hmm. Every, every, everything we've seen shows us that he's got himself into elite conditioning. Now, can he maintain it during a season? And if that battery is at 100%, what kind of player are you getting night in and night out, especially down the stretch? Because he does have it in him to be yeah. that kind of player. And then, of course, there's Julius Randle. Right. With those two guys, I think Fisdale believes if I can get these two to play at an all-star caliber level where they can both average in the high teens you know, and get a lot of offense out of these two guys – Put some guys who can defend. Obviously, Mitch is a big part of the defense. Mm-hmm. I think I think Fizz feels like I can coach these guys up. I just need two, at least two ballers that can get me That's buckets it. when I need a bucket. Mm-hmm. And those two guys are going to be key. That's his pillars right there. Those That's two it. Guys, my opinion. Yeah, that I, I agree with you 100%. I've, I've been saying that the key to the Knicks having somewhat of a respectable season, playoffs or not, has to be um, on the back of Dennis Smith Jr. I, I think Randall's definitely going to put up his points. You, you okay. know you know he's going he's gonna to put up his points, straight up bully yep. ball. I like the fact that he's, he's working on his mid-range and beyond. He's trying to step out a little bit. Well, he can hit the three, yeah. He was showing off the three this summer. Exactly, oh, yeah. exactly. So that was certainly encouraging. You saw the footage he was working out with Melo, working on his footwork as well so um i I like that but i i think dsj is going to be the key you know as you said can he put it in night in night out can he prove to stay durable and defensively you know can he keep it together just 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 admirably uh, on the defensive end um and i think we'll be all right but from fizz i think you know it's going to be on him to really get the most out, out of this young core whether it's Frank, whether it's DSJ, uh, RJ Barrett, ISO, Mitch, you know, ha- how he kind of gets these guys together. On the flip side, you have guys like um, Ellington. You know, Ellington is probably the best shooter on the team. You know, where where do those minutes come from when, when we need to stretch the floor? We we need to yeah. knock down some threes. ISO shot 39%. I'm just saying. It, he did. Yeah, he did. I, yeah, you, I, Ellington, Ellington to me is just another – and this is not to sound disparaging. He's yeah. A pro, he's another pro on the team. I don't right. know if he's a – sh- I don't know if he's a rotation guy. Yeah. I don't. Mm. But I know that he's somebody like what you brought up when I need some shooting. I know I can get – I know, A, he'll be ready to play. He's yeah. one of those guys that's like a pro. Like Taj Gibson is a guy too Taj. that I feel like when I need, yeah. when I need that that kind of element in the game, mm-hmm. I know he'll be ready. You know what Taj Gibson reminds me of at this point that he could be a little bit of Kurt Thomas. I said the same. Thing. I love it. A little bit of I love a little it, bit of Kurt Thomas, like a little bit of that where I'm a pro. I'm always ready to play. I'm probably, I don't have to play a ton, but when you need me, I'm coming in and I will make a difference. A little old man game, you know, like and, and just yeah, sort of absolutely. set a tone when I need to set a tone, like. I, I, so people are wondering, well, how's, well, how many minutes is Todd, Todd Gibson going to play? And mm-hmm. all due respect to Todd Gibson, but I, I don't think he plays a ton of minutes. Yeah. But I do think he plays a critical role in the locker room. Yeah. And then when I'm looking down the bench and I need some heart, because you know I'm in a back-to-back and I got some guys who are young guys and you know that they're, they're, uh, they're a little soft tonight because mm-hmm. it's a tough game. Maybe it's the third and four nights. I need some heart, Taj. Give me some heart. And you yeah. know he will. That's what he's about. 
So it's a good tone setter. So, you know, those are the kind of guys I think Wayne Ellington can shoot a three when I need, maybe I need to space the floor. So maybe I bring him in the game. Right. But I'm, you know, they've got, they've got shooting. Not, it's still not enough. Yeah. I can't, you know, I'm not going to start sugarcoating stuff. They don't nearly, enough. have nearly enough three-point yeah. shooting. Right. So, And, and that's going to be a factor in this as well, I think, in, in the season. That's why this defense, you've mentioned it, and you're right. I, I said what identity they're going to have. They they don't need to be a team that can play defense. They need to be a team that does play defense. Mm-hmm. And they need to be a team where their reputation is. They are tough to play against defensively. The offense will come. This is, And I hate making these references, but it's because Nick fans can relate. This will be, to me, like Starks Ewing, where you just have two guys that can take care of outside, inside, and everybody else is just a bunch of dudes that are just going to play hard. You know, they're just <laughs> yeah. going to play hard and get after it. Bobby Portis is a guy nobody's talking about, but everybody in Chicago, they love him. Mm. Hard worker, tough guy, can make a shot. He's a guy that can shoot. Uh, when he gets hot, he gets it rolling. A bit inconsistent, but still, that's the mentality I need. This team has to be a tough, physical team that is opportunistic offensively, but they're more known for how stingy they are defensively. The question is about David Fisdale is where's that background? That's Who it. is your defensive guru on the bench? Who's the one that's running the defense? What kind of, you know, that, that's what I need to see. Because yeah. usually it takes, the, yeah, I have a defensive guru. He's going to run my defense, and these guys are going to be all about that. I need to see that develop as well. Who 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 would you say that guy would be on on his staff? I mean, is Keith Smart more of a offensive focus? Offense. Yeah, Smart right? is an offensive Bush, guy. Bushler yeah. is more with the he's working with the guards. I would assume the development. Judd Bushler is a development coach. He's terrific with development. Yeah, very good. So just a lot of these guys are development coaches. Mike Miller, by the way, Mike um, Miller. Yeah, did he was actually very good in Westchester. Now everybody wants to say it's a G League. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Oh no, it does matter. Oh, it, it actually you you. You can be really bad in the G League if you're not a good coach. Because mm. guys, some guys don't really want to listen. Some guys are going their own way. He had that team playing and playing hard. And there was a lot of in and out going on on that team because they would mm-hmm. send a player down. They'd take him out. All of a sudden, the guy was starting. Now, now wait, Damian Dotson's here to play yeah. again? Now I'm not starting? Yep. And Still Mike Miller did a great job managing that. So I'm curious to see what Mike Miller's role is going to be uh, on this staff. But it is a staff that's mainly built of development-type coaches, yeah. not necessarily you know X's and O's tacticians. And that's why I brought up the defense. I'm just curious to see who's going to emerge as Teach Dick defense. Harder, Tom Thibodeau, who's right. going to emerge as right. that kind of a guy. The, the secret sauce is on the staff. That, that's what the, that's what Craig Robinson said, man. Yeah. So ho- hopefully it uh, great point. It, it reveals itself. I have a yeah. question too. I have yeah. a question real quick. Um, what is who's your ideal starting five? Oof, well, you, pressure. Already, you already heard my backcourt, right? Yeah, I know, yeah. I know, I'm here, and I know nobody. And I know it's gonna. I'm trying to set everything on fire, Alan. I'm trying. Yeah, you know, no, Nick. Nick's Twitter's already probably. Blind. I haven't looked yet. Because I know I'm already being called a homer or something. But and then and then the, and then the Frank. Those people that are the Franco files, like they'll be telling me how I'm a hater for some reason. I, you you can't win, man. What a civil war, man! It's, it's the Hatfields, McCoys, the the Democrats versus Republicans. The, yeah, there's really no is. middle ground. No. There's no, no there's middle no ground. Zone. No there's neutral, no neutral zone. zone. No. But, but all right, so that to me, I'd start the preseason that way. My backcourt now, and I need to see how it looks. Mm-hmm. I'm not putting that in ink. Okay. I'll put I'll put Dennis. He's in ink. Frank, I want to see. Okay. It could be a good complimentary piece. It could be, but I need to see it. Um, three, four, five is interesting. Three, 
I feel like Randall and Marcus Mars have to start. I, need uh, I think so. I need I physicality. Think so. Now the question, of course, is: Do you have Mitch at the five, um, or you know, like do you just stay young off the bench and and maybe move Randall to the to the you know um, to the five? But I think Mitch, because Mitch and Dennis Smith in an alley oop, oh, yeah. uh, you know, oh, yeah. pick and roll, Gotham Lob all day, man. Oh, that could that could just be special. So that's my five. Now you could say, well, Marcus Morris is a four. He's not a three. If I if I'm playing the way I want to play, which is you know thug mentality, I want Marcus at the three. I like yeah. that. <laughs> you know, look, I always have this saying that from an old school kind of thing. It, it's basically that you know, you can use five fouls because they don't kick you out until you make right. six. And, and even Pat Riley used to say they can't call everything. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's true, man. Yeah, that's true, man. It's not, so, you know, I know there's flagrant fouls today, and I know the league reviews stuff on video and finds players. You know, I, if I'm a head coach or if I'm some I, – I, I get paid a handsome amount of money. I pretty much tell my players, like, look, you do, you take one for the team. I got you. You know, I, this is not a bounty gate thing. I'm yeah. just saying that we need a mentality. No, we need, we need to play tough, man. We need to bring you that back. They, every, everybody comes in here when they get signed. They say the same thing. We want to be the 90s Knicks. And then it's yeah. Matador D left and right. The lane is Nobody wide open. Up to it. Yep. Well, we're all best friends now. That's the other. Oh thing. We're yeah, all best yeah, friends. yeah, yeah. Always, summertime. Everybody's buddies. And <laughs> yeah. What I'm, t- you know, there, there's this, there's a saying. By the way, let, let me get it up for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna find this thing. Here, here it is, right here. I found this. Newt Rockney said this. He said, "At home, we're the host, and I never liked the idea of being embarrassed in front of our friends." Mm. And I would put that mm. that Newt Rockney Rockney statement. I would put that right, right in the, the door room. as you leave yep. out for the out the tunnel for the garden. I like that. Like, like that's what Absolutely. it is. Like, think about this. I'm not being a gracious host here. Nope. Like, I'm tired of hearing about yeah, players saying how much they love playing at the Garden. I want players to say how much they hate playing yep. here. Tough oh, place man. to play. That's it's got to become a tough place play. to play once again. I hate going there. I hate going there. Like, I'd rather hear that more than anything because then I'd rather the players who play for the Knicks say I love playing there. Absolutely. That's, that mentality's got to flip. We lost that somewhere. I don't know where. But that <laughs> mentality changed where – it's now the, the the opponents used to go, yeah. oh, man, I love, love playing here. Like, what do you mean you love playing? I don't want you to love playing here. Sure. I want you hating it. Yeah, well, so well, hmm. that's, that, that's, that's what I'm thinking, and I'm hoping. So that's my five. That's what I would do. Okay. And, and again, if you say, oh, Mitch, Mitchell Robinson gets the foul trouble, I don't care. I don't care. Let him. Let him. Let me, yeah. Yeah, you, t- you tell me if he averages four fouls a game that that's a bad thing? Nope. Well, you got, you, a, you got not, Taj. Not right. Yeah. Be good. That's my point. That's why you have depth because you're allowed to now play as hard as you want. Because if I get tired of foul trouble, I got somebody else that's got my back, and it's okay. True indeed. That's it. True indeed, yeah. man. Um, Jails, we're, we're going to go to the phones with quick reset. Salute to everybody watching. Hit that thumbs up for Alan Hahn, special guest in the building. If you're a diehard Knicks fan, make sure you subscribe to the channel. This is our season preview discussion. With Alan Hahn once again. Uh, were you guys in the chat? Where are you guys watching from? Put your city in the chat. Let us know where you guys are tuning in from. If you guys are new to the chat, also hit a hashtag new so we right. could uh, shout you guys out. And uh, what do you guys think about Alan Hahn starting five from the preseason, he said. From the preseason. preseason. DSJ, me- DSJ at the one. Frank at the two. Marcus Morris at the three. Randall at the four. And Mitch at the five. Leave a comment in the chat. Let us know what you think about uh, Allen's potential five here. All right, let's go to the phones. First guy up is uh, Guillermo from Brooklyn. He wants to talk about the style of play uh, that Fish should implement on offense. Uh, Guillermo, how you doing, bro? 
Yo, what's good, man? How you guys doing? How you doing, Alan? Good, man. Yo, Gamma, you gotta um, take it off speakerphone and just talk a little bit louder. All right, you can hear me better? Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I was just curious, you know, given um, Giselle's experience in Miami, his experience with the Grizzlies, you know, how do you see his, um, his offensive system playing out with the Knicks? I know we got a lot of guys coming in, but we do have athletic forwards. We have, you know, the on-ball point guard that he likes. Um, we do have big men who can shoot. So I was just wondering, how do you see him, how do you see this offense uh, playing out for the season in terms yeah, of just I the style of play? Yeah, and, and I mean, last year, you can't really base a lot on what they did last year because, you know, they, they didn't really have anybody that could carry an offense. They tried some stuff with Dennis last year when they got him. So you saw a little bit of a hint of high screen roll. Um, they don't have the shooting to spread the floor that can allow teams to just crash down on him. Um, but I do think you're going to see mm -hmm. a lot of similarities to where they played in Miami. I just think they're good. It's the way the, the game is going now. He wants to play fast, wants to get up and down the floor, but it has to be controlled. You know, mm -hmm. I think at times last year when he tried to play fast, it was too fast. It was out of control and he had to dial it back. Mm. So they want Dennis to go like that. He's that good, that athletic, that when you get the ball and you see a lane and somebody pick you up three quarter, go. And then, of course, you tell the other guys, run with them. Don't be lazy. And that's where mm -hmm. Kevin Knox comes in. Kevin Knox, at times, if he runs the floor, he can run the floor really well. And it's impressive and he can finish. But there are also times he becomes a ball watcher. Frank does the same thing. They do too much ball staring, like stare at it. Oh, there he goes. You got to go with them. So, yeah. you know, it's all going to depend on whether or not there's enough guys that want to run. So, but I do think he's going to, he's looking to play the way you're seeing the rest of the league play. It's going to be a lot of two man. He and, and Julius, a lot of, they'll give Julius some mid post looks um, and a lot of stuff on the side, but I think you'll see high screen roll. I think Mitch will be involved a lot too. And you can lob to him, which pulls some defense, you know, away from Dennis. Dennis got to be able to knock down that. Knock it down. Jumper. Right. Yep. Yeah. That's a big part of this too. I, I agree. And uh, just real quick before I leave, um, you guys kept talking about DSJ, right? Uh, I do have another idea. So obviously RJ Barry, he can pass really well out the double teams. Um, as you saw in the last two summer league games, uh, when he gets to pick and roll, and he's allowed to operate in space. He's a lot more dangerous. Um, and I think that when you allow him to be kind of like a jack of all trades, like how the early Dwayne Wade was, he can play. He, he feels a little like bit more that. comfortable. So how do you feel about him playing at the one? I, I don't I don't love him at the one. Like I like point forward. Said, yeah, like may, maybe on a wing where he's doing a lot of work, like you said, a little Swiss Army knife kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe some of that early flash stuff that you saw in Miami with Wade. I, I you know, can he? I don't think he's got the athleticism that Dwayne Wade had. Obviously, right. Dwayne Wade could explode to the basket, and finish strong. But I do think that RJ has shown he can absorb contact. And if you're throwing bodies at him, if he's going to make big passes. And that's, you know, I think that's, that's a possible role for him. We'll see. He's got to develop into it. Yeah, I'm intrigued because we, we saw at the Summer League that uh, he started playing a lot better when, when they gave him the rock and he had the ball in his hands. You know, so where they play RJ is certainly going to be interesting uh, mm -hmm. uh, at the gate. But also, he was kind of playing a lot of point forward, too. It, was, it wasn't like exclusively point guard. Mm -hmm. It was just like, all right, if you get the rebound, push the ball. Go. And yeah. I'll set up the green light. That's yeah. right. Green light if you have it. If not, give it to the guard. Yeah, 100%. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's what they were doing. 
Absolutely, man. Appreciate the call, Guillermo. And um, salute to everybody in the chat. Let's see where some guys are headed in from. Uh, we got EJ from New Haven. Jarrell Williams checking in from D.C. Uh, Jaime Hernandez, Tucson, Arizona. He says, hashtag new. So welcome to the show, Jaime. Make sure you subscribe. We have Strong Island in the building, Alan. We got a couple Long Islanders in here with us. Uh, Harlem World, Sid Leonard, what's going on? Syracuse, uh, Rel, stay flexing. He says, hashtag new. So welcome, Rel. Okay, let's go back to the phones. Jamal from Jersey. He's a regular caller. He wants to ask Allen, what do you think went wrong in free agency? Jamal, what's going on, man? What's up? How you doing today, uh, fellas and Allen? Good, man. What's up? Um, Actually, you kind of answered that a little bit earlier, so I want to go to another point. I'm wondering what you think about the same old Knicks narrative that is Dolan and this, this, that, and above. My opinion is when you're a perennial loser year in and year out, media and everybody else that, you know, has to do their job, just focus on the negative, and that's and it's easy to say Dolan this and Dolan that. And we had so much internal conflict in the building, like with Phil having his own journalist he wanted to get yeah. stuff out to, and right. people just leaking things for yep. specific and personal reasons. And with this regime, I feel like it's different. It's more cohesion. And I think the Porzingis unfortunate situation is an example of that because there's no way he could have gotten that trouble and we not hear about it until he's out of the building as a Nick. And that should tell you something, you know, that part of it there is that, you know, that that incident that, that KP was a part of. And, there, and I know of two other things that never got out about him that'll never get out. Mm. Um, mm. but you know, they protected him. That's why when people talk about how the Knicks failed Porzingis, you know, I, I feel like it was a failure. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I said it when he, they traded him, that it was a terrible day that it had to come to this, that he didn't want to stay and they couldn't convince him to stay. So everybody failed. His brother failed them, mm. you know, as the way they, they were guiding Maybe him. Maybe bad guidance, great. bad guidance. The kid, the, the kid was immature about a lot of things. And he also didn't recognize that the team did, do all it could, all they could to take care of him. They really mm. did. And was he what, what he wasn't happy about? He's never talked about it yet. Mm. He will have hopefully eventually. My question is: Do, do you think it was? The, do, you, do you think it was the fill the whole fill tenure? Yes, I, I think it. I think it started there. The mistrust began there. It, it continued there, and, and I don't think they ever were able to. And I know Fizz tried it. I know Perry tried it. They were never able to just get him back in the fold. And he went from the kid mm. who was like, oh, I have this key to the gym and I can go to the gym anytime I want. I love that mm. to, you know, sliding into DMs and hanging out a little more than he should. And, mm. and also, you know, basically side eyeing everybody that tried to talk to him about how much he meant to the franchise. So, you know, but all that aside, all right, all that aside, what, what you just talked about is something that, that I often talk about on my radio show. And that is, is that when you're a fan of a team like like the Knicks, like the Jets, you know, the Mets deal with this as well. And you get that same old blank. You got to understand that that's not going to change. You can't, you can't get angry at it. You can't get frustrated by it. If you're a team, you also can't let it uh, dictate what you do. Yeah. Like you can't make decisions based on all the media is going to kill us. You make a decision that's best for your business and Mm. move forward. And that narrative goes away when you start winning. winning, when you start producing, when you start showing that you're heading in the right direction. Gotta Let me tell win, you a story about the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors were a laughing stock franchise, believe it or not. 
Yep. They had Monte Ellis. I was there. (laughs) They had Monte Ellis. They drafted Steph Curry, and no one there wanted them to draft Steph Curry. Mm -hmm. Then Curry got the ankle injury. Then they gave him the extension, and they traded Monte Ellis. They had a, a night where they were honoring Chris Mullen. And the, and the owner came out, the same owner who's there now that everybody loves. The owner comes out, and he was booed mm. by the crowd mm. to a point where, um, who was it, Rick Barry grabbed the mic and scolded the fans. Oh, saying, this right. is yeah. not about yeah. that. This is about Chris Mullen, and you should honor Chris Mullen. Now, just understand that they had to prove that they knew what they were doing. They were heading in the right direction, and it took them time to get there. And obviously, once they did, it turned into something spectacular. The point I'm making is, is that nothing ever changes overnight when you're a franchise that has lost as long as a team like the Knicks have lost. That team, people will expect you to fail until you prove you can consistently succeed. So with that in mind, when you're a fan and you see that no one's believing in your team, what do you want them to believe in? There's no yeah. history to believe in it. And I'll, I'll quote Steve Mills last year. You have a reason to be skeptical. He even said it himself. Yeah. You have a reason to be skeptical, and they know that. So it's this is about get your head down, and you have to, as a franchise, plow through this stuff, take all the arrows, go ahead, say what you're going to say about us, until you start winning, until you start proving that your plan True. is working. Then you'll start getting the accolades. But people aren't going to say, oh, I like what they're doing. I'm going to believe in them. No, because we've had that before. You've yeah. seen those moments before where I'm going to believe in them now. Nope, that was bad. Believe in them now. Nope, <laughs> believe in them now. Nope. <laughs> so after a while, right? If we, I mean, how many times are you going to bang your head into the wall hoping that the wall falls down? You're going to stop. Yeah. So that's where you're at now as a franchise. That's where you're at as a fan base. You just have to understand it. Block out the noise and hope this time they get it right. True indeed, man. Yeah. W- winning, winning cures all. Alan, how you doing? You got it's time for one more quote? Winning is the best deodorant. That's true. Yeah, that's true, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, we can take. We can go. We can go one more. Okay. All right. Uh, real quick, we're gonna go back to the phone. Shout out to everybody in the chat. We had Troy in the chat says he's been an Allen Hahn fan since the Knicks fixed days. So shout out to Troy. Uh, we got House Flan in here from Santa Clarita, California. K Omega checking in from Colorado. Salute to everybody right. watching right. in the you, chat. Your shout out to Enzo over here. Enzo nine five four. Gary Singh over here. Shout out Will from LI. Always supporting us. Yep. Always. Old dog, I see old dog. And, and speaking of which, we have the man himself, Will from LI, checking in. Yeah, I even know. Now, now, <laughs> now, Alan. When we first met Will, we met him at the uh, at the lottery party in person. He he comes up to us with a full notebook full of notes, oh, yeah. notes, <laughs> strategies, plays, X's and O's, the whole nine oh, yards, man. And and he he's been a diehard follower of the show ever since. Will from LI, ladies and gentlemen. Will, what's going on, man? Uh, how you how you guys doing, PDJs? How you doing, Alan? Um, big fan. Um, first off, Alan, I just want you to know that I'm a fellow pioneer. I want. To, oh, I'm still at LIU Post. Uh, they changed it to the Sharks now, but yeah, we're not yet. Whatever There's the no case, such thing that, as pioneers you know, anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They took that out. Yeah, that's cool. It's cool. It's crazy. Jersey, I don't know why they changed it. Uh, they gave me my jersey, and I was like, well, it doesn't matter anymore. It's still up there. Yeah, it's still up there, yeah. <laughs> it's still up there, yeah. You go to the, uh, you go to the, um, you, you go to the gymnasium, you're, you're still there. You're still there, you know? Yeah, it's so, not um, a gymnasium anymore, uh, though. People are like, oh, what was a pioneer? What was yeah. That? That, was, <laughs> that was back in the, the, the ball had laces and the shorts were too short. <laughs> uh, exactly. Everything is getting changed. The legacy is going away. 
Well, whatever the case, um, uh, I just wanted to ask you a question, Alan. So first off, um, I think you kind of um, answered one of them. I was going to ask you which one should we be um, prioritizing towards the end of the season, whether should we focus on wins, you know, this is after the trade deadline, and, you know, whatever the record is, pretty much set in stone. Let's say we're underneath 30 wins after the trade deadline, you know, should we still be, you know, I, I would hope that Morse would be moved and we get some assets for him, but should we definitely be, like, focusing on the RJs, the Knoxes, above the Wayne Ellingtons and the Reggie Bullock and such like that? That depends. Yeah, that has to – I have to see where you are in February and then obviously what kind of value you mm-hmm. can get for some of these players that might be on the one-year deals. But, uh, you know, this this has to be about trying to win now. You have to you be able win, to – I mean, right. everything has to be about your best opportunity to win. And even if it means that, you know, heaven forbid, R.J. Barrett's, you know, struggling early on and, it, and it's better that he sits and it's better that he sits. Mm-hmm. You can't, this is no longer about the needs of the few outweigh the needs of the many. You know, this is, you know, you've got to right, start winning right. as a franchise or at least laying a foundation of being competitive. And so, again, even if it, mm-hmm. Kevin Knox is not competitive, he doesn't play, in my opinion. Yeah. You can always work on stuff in practice and prove to me that you're ready because a player who is hungry will come in and battle for his minutes because he's tired of sitting, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I want. So right. This has to be about trying to win at the beginning. Now, if you get to February and it didn't work out, and, it, you know, again, you have injuries or whatever it else happened to you, Trade deadline, well, that gives you the flexibility. Right. Now you have these short-term contracts that you can, you know, maybe try to do something for your future. But, I, I you know, to me, this is – there is development, and that always has to take precedent, but never overwinning, not at this point. Can't. Absolutely. I agree. And then I just had one other question about okay, Frank. Real quick. Seeing how he just recently did it. Yeah, as he did his work inside the FIBA World Cup. Do you think yeah. that this um, Frank's um, Frank's um, showing in the FIBA World Cup will give him some confidence going forward that will carry over to the season? And if so, do you think that he's still a player worth keeping or a player worth trading? I know, like, he's in your starting five. You know, I'm not going to give you any heat for that, but I know that Nick Twitter probably will. But, you know, I just want to get your opinion on that. Bring it. Um, honestly... I think this is the time to find out if he's going to be somebody that fits into the way you need to play, the way you need him to play. And so I have to give him every opportunity, and that's what I would do in preseason. You know, it, it's what he did um, overseas, what he did in the World Cup. Now, his last game wasn't good. He didn't shoot the ball uh, yeah. well. I, I don't know, you know, did he get tired? I don't know. Their, their coach was funny with his minutes, too. It was yeah. a little bizarre the weird. way he was used. Yeah. But I know that, and, and the biggest issue I have with Frank is not necessarily, you know, his shooting can come and go. It's that his effort level comes and goes. He's engaged and he's really good. Then Mm -hmm. he's disengaged because maybe he's not happy about, you know, sitting out Then he comes back in a game and he's not even against the U S he had a terrific start. They brought him back in the second quarter and he was non-existent. Then they brought him in, in the second half. He didn't start the second half. Yeah. He comes in in the second half, and he was really good. Mm-hmm. And down the stretch, he was fantastic. Yeah, So Solid. that's the that's the problem is he is, you know, Forrest Gump. He, he, he's a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get with him. Mm-hmm. But I'm hoping that what you see 
in, in preseason is somebody that will give you that consistent effort because he wants to earn the starting minutes and prove that he belongs. That's what he's got weighing on him. So I got to give him that opportunity. I can't say what I saw in China um, is, oh, okay, now he's back. Yeah. I believe in him. What I saw in China tells me there's something there. Right. Now I need to see if I can get it out of him or is that is he just always going to be that inconsistent guy that's going to tease you? I got to find out. Mm. That, that's right. Well, well said, man. Now, now it's the time. Um, so, Alan, man, we, we just want to say once again, we, we appreciate you coming on, giving us some time. We know you're a busy guy, man. So we definitely you gave us an hour. That, that was more than we expected. And uh, we, we definitely uh, appreciate you, you coming on and, and giving the fans some uh, some insight on the team going into the season. My pleasure. I had a lot of fun. I love talking to uh, one question, man. I, I see those Emmys shining in the background, man. Yeah. How do we get one of those things, man? <laughs> is there like a what, what do we? Yeah, is there a YouTube Emmys that that we need to know about? How do we sign up for that program? Look at that! Look at her shine. Isn't that nice? <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is this is what happens when you work with great people at MSG Network. Is that these things happen? Now that's only four. I got a little dynasty going here. I do need five, and I think I believe we have a shot at some. I, okay, I, I don't know. I don't. I can't remember now if we did or we didn't, but I'll, I'll, I'll double check. But um, I think there are awards for YouTube and stuff. No, I no, they this. are. Yeah, they, they are. They are. Yeah. I want, I want the Emmys, man. The Emmys, yeah, it, it's glistening in the light, man. I like how <laughs> it's is, shining back there. That is, that is what it's all about, isn't it? In, in the end, all the hard work, and you, you like to have a little something to show off for it. <laughs> but, but hey, you guys keep having uh, shows with this kind of energy. You'll get there. You'll get oh, there. Man. Thanks again, man, oh. Alan Hyde. Appreciate it. No. Everybody in the chat, throw throw a one in the chat for Alan Hyde, man. That Alan was uh, fa- fantastic. Alan, thanks again, man. All right. Appreciate you guys. All right. That was Alan Hahn. What? Jay Ellis, man. What, what, do, what do you say, man? What do you say to that? Man, I'm not, I, I, I can't get used to this, man. let me me get you in here salute to everybody that was watching Mm -hmm. that was a special edition live stream featuring alan hahn of msg networks man i'm just let me just uh get jay ellis back in here what really really cool really cool man that was mad he's mad cool yeah cooler than i expected that that was really really good stuff, man. We we definitely appreciate him once again for coming on and, and giving us some time. So let's everybody watching, man. We had a lot of people, man. We had uh almost four hundred people yeah, man. on YouTube watching us. We we don't know if you guys are at work or where you guys are at. If you guys got jobs, thanks for, for sneaking away and spending some time with us. CK two mm-hmm. K in the building, shout out to CK. Yeah, man. Yo, shout out to yo, shout out to everybody in my chat, man. Old, old dog, Rashawn, Chris Coward, yep. Chris, there we go. Michael Malls, Young Simba. Ah, <laughs> Shell, Andy, I see back and forth. Shout out to Shells, man. man. Shout out to Shells. Yo, shout out to everybody who came through, man. Yo, can I shout out to yo? Shout out to everybody who came on the program who kind of just kind of helped build this momentum, man. Yeah. Like Chris Childs is a big Chris Childs. Begley. Chris Childs. Begley. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy Beer, Mark Berman. Mark Berman. Yeah, man. Oh, man, this is crazy. It, it, it's only it's only getting bigger, but uh, it's a it's a collective effort because, like I said, without the viewers, without people like, share, and subscribe, this is why we ask you guys to like, share, and subscribe. You got to help us promote the show. If you're a fan of the show, you know, if you're a fan, if you're a fan 
This is what we ask of you guys. Hit that thumbs up button as soon as you get into the live stream. Any video, share these videos. Goes a long way. Share these videos uh, with your fellow Knicks fan. And 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 uh, subscribe to the channel. Subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss any of the next episodes. Um, let's lose some Super Chats. What? Kurt Cobain just subscribed to the channel. He's back from the dead, I think. Oh, snap. Yeah, man. I mean, come on, bro. We're bringing the dead back, JLs. Bringing the dead That's back. How lit. How the That's how lit the show is. We got people checking in from the grave. Shout out to Kurt Cobain in here. Damn. <laughs> no disrespect, but shout out to him. Um, Michael Parker. Salute to Michael Parker, number one fan of this show. He says salute to Jay Ellis, uh, CP Alan Hahn. Uh, he asked the same thing that Will did. Did Frank solidify his spot on the team following his recent outing? Um, I agree with 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 Allen. I'm not going to point to the feeble play to say that he solidified anything. Number one, much of the competition was pretty. There was an NBA caliber. A lot of the guys in, in France's group coming out was like, you know, they were playing Dominican Republic, who didn't even yeah. have. They didn't even have Horford or Towns. They were playing teams like Jordan. Turkey wasn't really that strong this year. When they played the U.S., that was a nice, nice US sample. Nice. But the only thing is, yeah, I, I don't know what it is about Kimball Walker. Dog. Yeah. But, like, if you have, if you pull up the two Frank graphics, the NBA Frank, and, the, like, Frank's best game last season. Was against Kemba. Was against Kemba yeah. in Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, 18 points. Kem- Kemba's going to be angry, man. <laughs> Ke- Kemba's going to be angry come the home opener, yeah. man. Yeah. And Frank's best game in FIBA was against <laughs> Kemba Walker That's again. It. That's so it, I don't man. know what it is about Kemba's face that Frank likes, but <laughs> yeah, I I don't know, man. I don't know, but Kemba's not gonna be too pleased with opening night, man. But I'm saying, yo, we got Kemba Walker who Frank owns, right? And then we got Julius Randle <laughs> who owns Enos Cantor. Oh yeah, his Randle has dropped 45 on Enos Cantor, which is his season high last season. Let's go. I mean, between those guys, that season opener versus the Celtics is looking really good, man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and speaking of opening night, we have four tickets left to the Knicks home opener. We're doing a suite on the chat. Well, I'm on the chat. We're doing a suite on the Chase Lounge. For those mm-hmm. of you who have not gotten your tickets, there's four tickets left. The link is in my video description. Click on it. The package is going to come with a ticket to the game on the suite on the Chase Lounge. Food and beverages. Uh Knicks meet and greet with an alumni player. And yeah. The free throws are back, Jay Ellis. Oh, yeah? A select group of fans are going to do the free throw. Another select group are going to do are gonna have full court access, front court access to the pregame shoot-around. It's an outstanding package. You're not getting that anywhere else. Oh. So come through and join us, man. We, we got people coming from all over the world coming to join us. It's going to be outstanding, man. Guillermo says, great great show, great call. Guillermo, thanks for calling in. A um, couple more Super Chats. Michael Ray sent us some Super Chats. Thanks again, Michael Ray. Jam 3 Productions sent us a $10 Super Chat, JLZ. He says, salute to you guys. Good work. Thank you. Appreciate you, uh, Jam 3. Um, Thumblicker, interesting name, sends us a, a, a Super Chat as well. <laughs> very very interesting name <laughs> very interesting name mm-hmm. shout out to Sid Leonard Uptown USA's own sends us a $5 super chat super chats are rolling in man appreciate you right. guys bro Kevin All McLeod right. says thanks so much for doing that no problem Kevin thanks for supporting Manolo Bouquet what's going on yeah man 
Um, what else? What else on the horizon? I have a uh, a podcast I did with the guys at Posting and Toasting that should be out on the YouTube channel sometime next week. We got Jonathan Macri coming to the studio. Studio jails. Don't forget this Monday okay. we got we got Macri coming through the studio. Oh, yeah, yeah. What do you guys want us to talk about with Macri, man? If you guys have any topics that that you guys want us to to cover, uh, we'll certainly do so. Maybe we'll have like a a fan uh, a fan sponsored topic that that we'll discuss. We have some topics that that we want to cover with him, but if you guys have anything in mind, certainly let us know, and, and mm-hmm. we'll we'll cover that as well. Word. Yeah, man. TM. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Shout out to TM and Dave for uh, for for putting this all together and, and getting the information out there. Yeah, man. Shout out to everybody working. Yeah, man. And watch out, KOT show, nigga. Time show is coming back. Yes, um, sir. Definitely watch out for that. We might have CP on the program, so you coming right. soon, man. Yeah, coming man. soon. Coming soon. Um, but yeah, that that's it, man. We know a lot of you guys got to get back to uh, your regular lives. And so we just want to say, Andrew, back. Thanks for the super chat. Much appreciated. Uh, you, you've been here. Salute to everybody that's watching. All the hashtag news. Thank you so much for, for joining. We hope that this won't be your last time. Like I said, this is the home of the diehard Knicks fan, man. This is the home where we talk about Knicks news, Knicks rumors, post-game yeah. analysis featuring live callers. All live. We, we, we got this distinguished guest, Alan Hahn. We just had Chris Childs. Mm-hmm. Who's next? We don't know. Who's next? We Who's don't next? know. We don't know. But the bottom line is we are working. This yep. is where it's at, man. So we hope you guys continue to support us, continue to share these shows. Tell a Knicks fan if they're not here following us, you got to get in here, man. This is it. This is the spot. This, this is, is the spot, man. Content. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, JL, so I'll kick it over to you. Oh, actually, go ahead and close out from here because I don't have your solo screen set up. So go ahead and close out from here. All right, man. So as you know, I run the Nick of Time show. We will be back bigger, better than ever. Middle October for definitely check out that links on my description to all, all the platforms that I'm on. SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, of course, and uh, Stitcher. Everything, every place where you can watch podcasts, listen to podcasts, Nick and Time Show is there. Um, and watch out for CPU. Hit that thumbs up. For sure, for sure. And, then, and also, you know what? If you want to write, you're looking for writers, we have articles on the nickatimeshow.com. Uh, so you can read some some great Nick's content from my guy, Ryan G. And also, Dave Sheets is also a couple of things. Salute to Dave. Good. Salute to Dave, man. And did pretty well. I see you. He's in journalism school. Shout out to Dave. Man. Yes, sir. And, um... Yeah, I think that's all I got. Also, follow me on social media. I'm on, I'm on, um, what am I, where am I, CP? I'm on Instagram. Everywhere, everywhere, man. Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, Facebook. Word. Yes, sir, man. All right. Follow me, man. That's it. Back to you, CP. Appreciate it, man. And, and salute to everybody watching once again and supporting. Thank you again to Alan Hahn for, for joining us and giving us some words. Make sure if you guys are at work and you missed it on video, this will be available in audio format starting later today. SoundCloud. Oh, not SoundCloud. Uh, Google Play. Switch. Switch. Switcher. Stitcher. Google Play. Stitcher. Spotify. iTunes. All on the Knicks Fan TV. You can listen to it, subscribe, leave us a review on iTunes as well. Like I said, Knicks Home Opener Suite Event. The tickets, the link to the tickets are in the link below in the video. 
So make sure you get yours. The merch is also open. The Mitch Please Tease, the new edition. Let me, let me know what you guys think about the new edition, man. Oh, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. The, the, the new season of the Mitch Please T-shirt is, is available as well. So make sure you guys go ahead and get yours. And uh, let, let's uh, let's salute to some more people before we get out of here, man. Word. Definitely, definitely. Oh, man, I got mad merch coming out. As soon as my store gets fixed, yeah, man, I need, man, developers are crazy. But I have mad <laughs> merch coming out. I was supposed to drop a month ago, but it's coming. Okay, <laughs> okay. Kevin Middleton, salute. Rome, appreciate you, Rome. Appreciate all the help. Yo, shout out to Rome. I saw you. I saw you in BK yesterday. Shout out to you, though. Absolutely, <laughs> man. Mr. X, the Shells, thank, thanks again for your help, man. The Shells, much appreciated. Uh, who else you want to shout out, Jails? Uh, let's see, Michael Moss. I see, obviously, I shout out Simba like five times. Gary Singh. Gary, appreciate it. Thank you, Fritz, for repping and encouraging people to subscribe to the Nick Time Show. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, oh, that's it, man. Yeah, TM, appreciate it. I did. We did see some some um, some questions from from the from the form. Sorry, we didn't get to them. We, you know, we kind of had to rush through and get to some things, and we, we want to prioritize the phone calls first. We'll get to those questions for the next show. So, like I said, keep it locked here at Next Fan TV. We got some more content that'll be trickling out. We'll run a replay of this show today at 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern time. If you guys want to jump back into the chat, I'll be in the chat as well. If you guys want to talk some more. And uh, yeah, man, appreciate it. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.